2: Are you sure?
0: Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop
1: trying to fix it.
0: No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out... See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It is not about the nail. Ow! Come on! (gasps) If you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way so I have to keep on talking till I can go on We can work it out. We can work If that it is out. not the funkiest end song you've ever heard Everybody in the congregation is like this The other one's like, yeah <laughs> So I want to encourage you guys to get along Now we're going to get straight into it this morning I'd like to invite Bronwyn Wakelin up to the stage If you'd like to give her a hand And we'd also like to invite Jordan Wakeland. Bron, why don't you come and sit here? We might grab you an extra microphone. We might steal one off one of the singers. Benjamin, I have the blue one. I'm going to turn it on. Oh, I think it's already on. I turned it off. Sorry about that, Bronwyn. There you go. Awesome. Why don't we give the band a hand as they uh, head down? Thank you. Awesome. So we have up here a mother and son, which um, uh, we will throw to them in a minute. But uh, we we have up here Bronwyn. Um, They have a a unique journey, these two together, that I thought would uh, reflect a little bit of light on what I'm going to speak on a bit later uh, this morning. But why don't we start, Bronwyn, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, who you are the mother and husband to,
2: and so on. (laughs) And my husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren, over there. My name's Bronwyn. I have three boys. Two I gave birth to and one I married. <laughs> so there's hey, mate, Darren been, I, down there.
0: Hey, I've been looking at photos. This man has not aged in 25 <laughs> years. You've got something going on, my man. And he, look at us, the most I've ever seen you agree at one time. Hey, Amen. that's fantastic.
2: So we've got Darren... I've got my youngest son, Samuel. Give us a wave, Smalls. (laughs) He is 21 years old and single, girls. He's single. And he looks exactly like (laughs) his
0: father. He probably won't age either. So get in early.
2: (laughs) And this is my oldest and firstborn, Jordan, 27. Very proud of all of them. (laughs) Fantastic.
0: So so tell me, Bron, did you grow up in the church? Uh, Tell me a little bit about your background, how you grew up, where you grew up.
2: Well, I grew up in Eltham, so I'm an Eltham girl. Um, I went to church all my life. Mum and Dad were um, very, you know, they were leaders of the church in Reservoir. Reservoir Assembly of God. My uncle here is here, Laurie, and we were talking about it before because um, we all used to go to church together. We were pretty much all related. (laughs) So there was probably 50 people that were related in the church. Yeah. So
0: I think we've got about 20 of them that pop yeah. in and out here.
2: So you've got to be careful because we probably are related. But um, yeah, I used to go as a young girl sitting in the front row twice a Sunday. We had two services every Sunday and we would be there all day every Sunday so i sat under the word of god and i sat under great teaching and i had great parents who influenced me greatly in their walk with the lord to get me to a point where at five i actually gave my heart to the lord i was sitting in the front row and i just felt god touch me and i thought I might only be little, but I'm going up. Right, so I actually right. gave my heart to the Lord at five. Yeah. But as you do, you kind of wander a little bit away. But I don't think I went far yeah. because, um, yeah, God just had his hand on me from the time I was born.
0: That's awesome. Mm. That's awesome. So let's take advantage of this opportunity to embarrass Pastor Jordan. So tell us a little bit about <laughs> some of these photos behind us. They're not coming up at the back, so we'll turn around. <laughs> so it's starting from the left.
2: All right. The left is jordan's first christmas he was four months old and we still celebrate christmas as the same to this day we all wear the christmas hats we all (laughs) sing the carols we have a great time hey yeah
0: let me just quickly just jump in there hey see that photo can everyone see how jordan's asleep can everyone see that (laughs) that's what he looked like the first service he came back to our church remember he fell asleep (laughs) That's the same face. It hasn't changed. (laughs)
2: It's
0: definitely Pastor Jordan. That's great. What about the middle one, Bron?
2: (laughs) Well, the middle one is one of our birthday celebrations where Grandad, my Granddad and Grandma, lived down the road in King Lake from us. And um, so Grandad was wonderful at documenting everything. So they were always there on the ride as well. With Jordan, I think it's the fourth birthday if I'm counting the yeah, candles correctly. Yeah. So.
0: That's brilliant. So what we're going to do, let's not go to the next slide just for a minute. Uh, I believe the middle one was Darren during Movember because that is outstanding. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So I want to ask uh, just quickly, Geordie, we're going to actually get you to share a little bit uh, to do with the next slide. But Bron, why don't you talk to me about um, parenting uh, young kids and engaging them with God and, and uh, how, how did you go about doing that? This is the stage of life that I'm in right now, a little bit mm. beyond that. And, you know, to me, as a a younger parent, I really want my kids to love Jesus. Um, uh, It's evident that your kids do now. So you did something right in those stages. So why don't you share with some of our community what you did?
2: Well, I think the important thing was that you role model. Mm. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it just flows through to your kids. They might not know it at the time, but it does flow through. And we always, we were very much a part of um, the church in King Lake, which lol, he was the pastor of for a while there. Um, so the boys were, were born, they came to church just like I did every Sunday. Not twice, though, we only ever had one service, because we were small. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just to have them in the presence of God. Yeah. Just having them sitting in the presence of God and also the fact that um, Sunday school played a big part. Also, um, youth, youth is very important because the friendships that your kids form will influence their lives. Yeah. You yeah. do become like the people you hang around. Yeah. So get your kids hanging around in the family of God. Yeah. With Christian families, yeah. I mean our Christian friends, Michelle up the back there, her kids grew up with my kids, and they were part of the Whittlesea Church, and they all went to youth together and did life together, and still friends to this day. How about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was a kid also. My parents were pastors. I was in church multiple nights a week, and and, and for me. Uh that, that helped me identify as a Christian. So passing the mic to Geordie, how was it for you to grow up uh, in the church, man? And, and what was your perspective of those days?
1: What answer should I give here, Pastor? My pastoral answer or my truthful answer? It's a joke. No, the same thing. Um, I remember going to church. One of my fondest memories was Dad would let me take my Game Boy Color into church. So that ages me. Half the youth kid's are like, what's a Game Boy And I'd sit there all the way from rehearsal, because Mum was the worship director at the time, and Dad would also play drums. Fun fact, Dad's a jazz drummer. There you go. Dan Andrews, I've got another one. So, but we'd sit there and you'd play Game Boy, but even then you'd hear the songs and I could still sing you half of the songs that we heard back there. was a lot of Darlene check back in the day. Feel me if you know what I'm talking about right now. You wonder why I listen to metal. But no, um i remember you'd sit there and even during the preaching as a young kid preaching was hard because sometimes they're talking about concepts you don't yet understand but i vividly remember my sunday school teacher connie banks i've never forgotten the lessons i learned up in the king lake hall which was a dodgy school hall to describe it it's not like our kids church here like nothing like it But I remember those lessons to this day. And you often reflect upon back those. They weren't abstract truths. They were biblical truths. And that's what you remember. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Awesome. So let's go to the next slide. This one's my favourite. Look at Jordan. Wow, what a stallion. So many things went right in that photo. Now, we're going to talk about that photo in a minute. But let's just dwell on it for just a little bit longer. Once again, Darren not looking a speck older than what he did in the last photo, (laughs) unbelievable. So um, I'll quickly share, this is Jordan at his 21st, you know, the coolness began to emerge, Um, but let's move to the right hand side where the coolness had not yet emerged, (laughs) clearly squeezing those hands into those shorts is a beautiful thing. (laughs) But what it actually happened, what's significant about this photo, which we're going to begin to share, is I'm going to ask Bronwyn in a moment to share about uh, how to uh, minister to boys that have just experienced a significant crisis. Because uh, uh, for those of you that don't know their story, um, uh, these guys actually lost their entire home, all of their belonging. Uh, in in the the fires that went through King Lake uh, many years ago. And these clothes that they're wearing, uh, Bronwyn actually shared with me previous to this, uh, were all donated. They actually had nothing. Um, So uh, at least that's an out for you, bro. You didn't get to choose. (laughs) Um, choose, Yeah, yeah, you you chose that, but you definitely chose the haircut. There's no excuse there. But Bronwyn, why don't you share with us about how you ministered and cared for your kids um post a uh, significant crisis uh, that you could almost say that uh, not a lot of people would have to walk through or endure so so how did how did you as a mother uh, lead your family through that time
2: well as a mum through that time I actually became quite um, not possessive but you I just watched out for them all the time. It was a bit like a lioness watches after her cubs. Um, I was always aware of what was happening in their lives because after the fires, they had to continue to go through school, they had to continue to do life. So I just would be there as an encouragement. If they wanted to talk about things, they could. If they didn't want to, we often cried together. Jordan and Samuel, one thing I loved about them was that they were so open all of the time. So our communication was always open. If they weren't doing well, they would talk to me about it and we could pray about it together. So faith played a significant, significant role in our healing Because without God, I don't know where we would have actually ended up. Um, So many people are still hurt. So many people are broken. And without a heavenly father and and an understanding that your heavenly father loves you regardless of what you've gone through. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And I think that was the thing. We continued to go to church we continued to do life didn't we we actually called it the new normal because what we lost was the old but God was so faithful in giving back so much more and that wasn't just material things that was actually showing himself to be strong on our behalf. Mm. So that that was really brilliant. how I did it
0: with them. Yeah, it's brilliant. So your faith uh, sustained you in that time and guided your boys. But mm. around this time, um, uh, Jordan began to walk away from the faith. So passing Geordie the mic, here, here's a question that I think that every parent, mm. uh, you know, that has a kid that is not walking with the Lord, the question you know that that i pray i never have to ask is why why did you walk away and was it anything your parents had done was it your experience what why do you think you went uh through what you went through and um obviously knowing your testimony we're going to keep it uh, g-rated for church church (laughs) uh, appropriateness
1: is that why you hired me as youth pastor because i'm a little edgy
0: and it keeps me keeps me my street cred up
1: no It's, that's a very complex question. It's a very multifaceted question as well. There's no succinct answer I could probably give you realistically in the next three to five minutes. It's usually a culmination of things as well. What I mean by that is yeah, I was raised in an incredible home, had an incredible relationship with mum, went through a pretty life-changing experience. We saw the Holy Spirit manifest. We saw angels and all that. And you'd think from that point, how would Geordie end up over here? It wasn't rapid. It was gradual. Little things are what get you. You Think of the cliff analogy there. The cliff doesn't just fall, it erodes over time, then it falls. So little by little, you start hanging out with different people. You start going, oh, I can push the boundary here a little bit more as well. And you start to almost tell yourself that lie that there is no God that you sit there and go, what's the point? There's a rules, there's a regulations. And I think what that boils down to, you have to have your own personal relationship with Christ. You can't live off the faith of your parents. Right. And I think that's a massive thing to unpack within that as well. You have to have your own relationship with Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Bron, you're a parent. You've raised your kids in church. You've gone through a significant crisis. And now your son is clearly not walking with the Lord. How did you parent and how did you remain a mother in that season from the perspective of how did you keep that relationship
2: it was hard (laughs) it's hard when you see your kids not going with the lord it's hard when you see them doing things that you you know they know better but they experiment anyway they go that way anyway um so i think communication for me was the key and love and the fact was, at times I just wanted to <laughs> throttle him. <laughs> at times I just wanted to get in there and tell him what for. <laughs> yes. And I wanted to fix things. I wanted to fix it because I didn't want to see him destroy his life. And, but through it all, I would just give it back to the Lord all the time. Yeah, I, I would think just we have keep... that
0: prayer if you'd like. Yeah, to...
2: yeah. This was a prayer that I got from um, (laughs) Fight Like a Girl by Lisa Bevere. Wonderful book, ladies, if you want to read a good one. (laughs) Um, And the Lord, one day, I'd been to a women's conference. So that's where women's conferences really can impact you if you allow, if you go there with an open heart. And it was probably the year of the fires that they had this conference at... um, the Richmond Assembly and Lisa Bevere was the speaker and I was sitting there and and I was pretty broken <laughs> and I was raw and she started talking about um, how we have to trust the Lord and the, the fact was this lady was touching me because she had boys so she understood about boys and so she shared a bit of her story but the thing that really got me was she said that women have to stand up and they have to actually fight for their families and for their children. And one night I was actually in, in bed and the Holy Spirit woke me up. This was months after I got this book, months after I'd heard her speak. And he said, wake up and you've got to start to fight, otherwise Jordan will die. That was his words to me this night. So I got up and I just thought, well, what do I pray? I don't know what to pray. So you pray in the spirit because he knows best. (laughs) You know, you just don't know what's going on. And one particular prayer that I got from the book, I just want to read it out to you, is Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I want to fight my battles in my mightiest form. I will not draw back in fear, but I will boldly stake my claim to fight all that comes between my honour, my Lord, and my family. Amen. Amen. And believe me, we actually, um, it wasn't just mainly George, but um, lots came against us after the fires. Other things came that tried to destroy our family but the one thing I saw was the enemy was about to take out one of my own and and there was a time for Samuel too where I had to stand up for him as well Mm. and the thing was I knew God loved them more than he loved I loved them Mm. and that's hard I know I love them (laughs) but his love was stronger so I had to trust Mm. that he knew best and he had his hand on them and he wasn't going to let them go and he wasn't going to let any destruction or harm come to our family.
0: And I love that because I think it's you can't underplay the spirituality of when God wakes you up to pray. Because mm. that night when you were praying, something else was happening at the same time on that night with Jordan, wasn't it? Why don't you uh, share about that?
1: So that was pretty profound that mum was woken up in the middle of the night that night because that was Easter weekend and I'd been living with a bunch of dudes down in McLeod and whatnot and we'd been sort of partying very very hard over those three or four days we hadn't slept in three or four days so that sort of tells you the level of partying we were at and it was sort of it was crazy I went and laid in my room and sort of you can't sleep when you're pretty wide so you're just kind of staring at the roof thinking about all sorts of stuff and then I went and stood in front of a mirror and when I stood in front of a mirror it was the cliche of you don't know who was staring back at you and I heard the audible voice of God that said, what are you doing? And I stared back and then in a moment I was sober and I think that correlates directly to that moment because that's almost impossible to be partying for three days and then to be sober in an instant. And I went back into the room where the boys were and I gave them all the stuff that we had there and whatnot and said, I'm going to church in the morning, who wants to come with me? It was. They thought, Geordie's hilarious, this is a good one. And then one guy actually said to me, whose brother comes to this church, he said to me, he goes, I'll come with you, bro. So he put on his sunglasses so no one could see his pupils and off we went the next morning. But the reason we went to church was because while I was at university, there was one guy named Anthony Lichidares. He didn't know my story. He didn't know anything about me. And every day he'd invite me to church. And I'd go, Nah, bro, not for me, because rah, rah, he didn't know who I was in there. And mum was so excited when I introduced her to Anthony because he was a positive friend in my life. Mm. And in that moment when God spoke to me, I remember that invitation and I went. And yeah, that was that. So, that was that. And that explains
0: the sleeping in the church. Up for three days, go to church, full of sleep. It's brilliant. (laughs) So, we'll just finish with this quick one. Uh, Obviously, the win is that um, Jordan came back around. Uh, It's been a a great journey. He's now ordained, which is fantastic. Doing a great job as the operations pastor. And he got married um, last year. Uh, fantastic uh, day that was you can see Bron and Geordie there He's, he, the cool has emerged finally okay. praise the Lord and um, and that's a beautiful photo of the family and Darren still looking like the same photo praise God so why don't we give him a hand thank you guys thanks Bron thanks Geordie so we're going to move quickly into the word this morning why don't you turn to 2nd Kings chapter 4 the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture, primarily because things jump out at me uh, quite often. And we're looking at a situation where there's a mother in crisis and she has two sons. So when you think about the link there, and I was preparing and, and praying uh, for Bronwyn and the family, uh, it was uh, an incredible moment. For me, I think of Mother's Day and I think of all the women in my life that fought for me. I think of my grandmother, my mother, my mother-in-law, my aunties. Uh, we got the adopted aunties because there were significant women in my life that that helped me. Do you know, one of my fondest memories of my grandma is uh, she had a big um, golden retriever. The dog's name was Traig, my my, uh, grandmother was Scottish. And um, she was English, my my grandfather was uh, Scottish. And she took me to a shop in Carayo and I walked into the shop and as I was buying a tin of dog food, right in the door, I would have been about eight or nine, these very large men are fighting. And they are getting it on. They are punching each other. They are swearing. Now, my parents got saved before I was born. They were pastors. You know those sheltered kids? That is me. I'm hugging the dog food and I'm absolutely petrified and I'm frozen with fear. My, my grandma, who would be 5'1", she'd be 50 kilos. She sees the fight and she sees her grandbaby on the other side. She gets out of her Ford for Steva. She closes the door. She marches up to those, and now you've got to remember, she is in, you know them like old, the, the, better not say that in case someone's wearing them, those fantastic white shoes uh, that the more uh, mature people wear, and, um, and she's got a track suit that is one colour with the jumper, and she's got her hair in rollers because that's what my nan did. And she rocked up to those two men. She separated them. While eyeballing both of them and they pause like, what is going on here? She walked through, she grabbed me, she paid for the dog food and I'm petrified. And she says to them as she's walking past, looking at them, don't worry, Charles, they'll be best friends tomorrow. Walked through the fight, put me in the car. And then it was like she had play, like they waited for her and then they started again. (laughs) And it's one of the most fond memories of my grandma because in a crisis, she fought to protect me. She was there. She was ready to go. You know, I loved growing up in in a Christian family because I knew that my nan loved the Lord. My parents loved the Lord. My family loved the Lord. But I knew that whenever my nan was around, from that day forward as a little eight-year-old, you know, I was like, man, it's all good. My nan is here. Everybody listens to her. And it was just an incredible feeling to grow up with. Parents, today being Mother's Day, I want to talk to everybody in the room to know this, that you can be a picture of strength and faith for anybody that you love. And that's what my grandma was to me. In this situation in 2 Kings, what's happening is there is a widow. She's a mother. She's got two beautiful sons. But her husband, who was a prophet, has passed away. And now the debtors are coming to take her two boys away and make them slaves as payment for her debt, her husband's debt. So she goes to Elisha and she says, you've got to help me. I'm going to lose my boys. And what happens is this is what the conversation as it starts. It says, the wife of a man, this is uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except, everybody say except. Say it again, except. Except a small jar of Of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors uh, for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into the jars. As each is filled, put it to one side. So let him shut the door behind you. Oh, sorry. She left him and shut the door behind her with her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were filled, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live of what's left. Lord God, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got to believe it. I love the faith that Bronwyn carried for her family. Through crisis, I caught up with her a couple of weeks ago and I remember her sharing with me in detail of sitting across the table from Jordan and hearing things that in the pit of her made her feel sick. But yet she chose to love. She chose to believe that God's hand was on his life. She kept believing that, that her boys would not be taken away from her. I look at this situation and we have people that we love in our life, whether we're a mum today, whether we're a father, whether we're a brother, whether we're a sister, there are people in our life that often we can believe that without faith they could be taken from us. We've all got that family member, that loved one that we are praying that God would get a hold of their life that God would do something significant in them. What I love about this is that she went to God in faith. I don't know if the slides are up, if we could have the next one. God can use last line hope. When all hope is lost and you're afraid and you're scared, God can use any situation. She was believing for her children. She was believing that God could provide. Last line, hope. I have nothing. I have nothing except a small jar of oil. Dan, I might get you to come up. I'm gonna go straight to where I wanted to land it. In an accept moment, everything can change. I remember uh, going to a sporting event and I was part of that sporting event and uh, there were uh, hundreds and hundreds of people in this grandstand. And what happened is I was sitting on the second row and uh, do you know those old school grandstands where they're just like large steps and and people sit on the steps? Does everybody remember those? Get that picture. It's full of people and sitting along the step. What happened is I needed to get up and I, I needed to go. Somewhere. So what I did is I wanted to be inconspicuous and I wanted everybody to know I didn't want the attention. But I knew I had to walk across in front of everybody. So I walked like this so that everyone thought, okay, he doesn't want the attention. You know how you do that when you're in front of people, like when you're crossing a road and you want the guy to let you know you're going faster, but you're not really. So you walk the same pace, but you do this, you know, that whole moment. So what happens is I'm trying to be inconspicuous, except one thing went wrong. One thing changed the whole dynamic. Where I thought the stairs were, they were not there. I fell flat in front of everybody in the grandstand. You see, in that accept moment, everything changed. She says to the prophet in prayer for her kids, in prayer for her loved ones, I have nothing except a small jar of oil. God can change any moment in and accept. Do you know my kids don't listen to me anymore except every now and then they need me to pick up the kids. There is a moment of influence. My daughter will not speak to me except the other day I got a text. God, nothing can change this situation, except you. The accept moment. I believe that there are people across this room, you've stopped praying. You've stopped going to God with your last hope, believing that that son, that daughter, that child, that cousin, that brother, that sister can return to God. Do you know, I took the authority of a mother like Bron and the authority of a mother in this situation to call out to God. And in that moment, there was an accept that provided the answer. God used what you thought. There was nothing left. You know, for me, there are principles that I'd love to share with you and we can do it another time. The fact that, one, is that once God had provided, you know, often we pray for provision and then once God provides, we forget. What I love about this story is that God provides the oil, then she goes back to the man of God to say, what should I do with it? When God provides miraculously, We should go back to God for wisdom. Hey, all of a sudden my son and my daughter return returned to God. They need discipleship. God, how do I disciple them? You've done the miracle, but help me walk it out. What are the practical things that you're doing to work with the miracle? Because you have to work with the miracle. What I love about these two chapters of 2 Kings is that you have to work with the miracle. Here's the thing. In in chapter 3, they're digging these ditches. And and, and the more ditches that they dug, the more that um, they were in drought and they needed water and God had provided a promise that it isn't going to rain, but all of this water is going to come flowing in. So you dig these ditches and you dig them so that they can run to every home, so they can run to cattle, so that they can run to fields where you need it. See, what happens, is the amount of ditches that they dug was the amount that it was filled. If they had dug more, they would have received more have to work with the miracle you see in this chapter. What happens is he says you've got to be obedient because you're going to have to have awkward conversations. You're going to have to go and ask for a pot, but not just a few. You're going to have to go, hey, I need every pot that you have available. I need everything that you have so that uh, when when God begins to fill. But here's the thing. Once the pots were filled, it stopped. You have to work in with the miracle. The more pots that she would have gathered, the more that God would have poured in. You have to believe and then you have to act. Hey, I'm believing for my children and you know what, I'm gonna start to fast. I'm believing for my kids. And you know what? They don't want to come to church. But I tell you what, when they land here for dinner, this prayer that's gonna be grace, I am gonna throw in a prayer for them in front of them because I know that God is gonna do something with the accept. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, thank You for this food and thank You for my children. Thank You that You love them more. Thank You for the food and thank You for the plan for their life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. You gotta work with the miracle you got to work because all of a sudden they'll sit there and they go, whoa, that was a passionate prayer. Whoa, they believe God loves me. Maybe He does. But see, you've got to work with the miracle because what's happening is there's a principle here. Yeah, I, I look at James Aiton and what he shared about last week is that he had to work with the miracle. God, we need a building. Help! It doesn't matter. God does not judge God sent his son so that we could be set free. She obeyed. She went and she shut the door with her children. She began to pour out the oil. You know it's hard is when you're praying for that family member to come back and nothing's happening. So you ask God, He's saying, sow a seed, sow a seed. So you begin to pour into that child, that cousin, that sister, that brother's life. And you begin to pour in and you begin to pray and you begin to believe, but yet nothing changes. See, that's the challenge, isn't it? When you sow a seed, it doesn't germinate straight away. So you're pouring in and you're believing and you're praying, but yet nothing changes. God says, go again. So you gotta work with the miracle. So you begin to pray. You begin to fast again. You begin to believe. And yet you feel like you're pouring into a black hole. You like that black bucket? And you're pouring in. you're pouring in and you're believing. God, my child, God, my brother, my sister. I keep trying and nothing's happening, Lord. I don't understand. They're gonna take my sons. I don't want them to be lost, I want them to be found got to work with the miracle. You've got to work with the miracle because God says, keep pouring into their life. Keep pouring in. Keep believing. You pray that grace. You make that grace about them. You keep loving them. You keep believing for them. But see God, every time I do it and they don't respond, I feel empty. I feel like I've got nothing left to give. I feel dry. Every time I've tried, every time I've, I've believed, I've been poured out, but Lord, I feel empty. There's this scripture that I absolutely love. Galatians 6, 9. God, I'm not pouring the same way I used to. I feel like I've got nothing left. I feel like what's the point? But see Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, don't grow weary doing good. Because at the right time, if you don't give up, talks about that you'll reap a harvest, see all those seeds that were sown. All those moments that you prayed and you believed And your heart for your lost one, whether you're a mother today, they feel it. Whether you're a father today, they feel whether you're a brother, you're a sister, you're a cousin, you're an auntie. The Bible says if you don't grow weary doing good at the right time, you'll reap a harvest. I think about our nation. I've been on a plane. Leaving Victoria, it's so dry. And because it's so dry, harvests have been affected. Because you see, it needs fluid. It needs something poured in that is able to germinate the seed, is able to feed the seed. Because my Bible says that if you don't go give up, if you don't grow weary, at the right time, you will reap a harvest. You see, what's been happening is the whole time that you've been feeling poured out, God has been using it to one day water, future growth, future breakthrough, what you thought was nothing was watering the future fruit. Nothing can grow unless it is watered. So, in your obedience, go to God in faith. In your obedience, you've got to work with the miracle. You can't give up fighting. You've got to continue to believe. And every time you feel poured out, know that God is not wasting it. It says this in, in 1 Corinthians. Let's turn there really quickly. I want to find it. 1 Corinthians, I think it's fifteen fifty-eight. I want to turn there. Let me just find it, sorry. want everyone to stand, if we're able to. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, keep believing, keep pouring in. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Every prayer God hears. He loves them more than you do. You know what I'm believing for in faith? Prodigals are coming home. Do you know what I'm believing for in faith? Those children that said they'll never return will return. You know what I'm praying for in faith? That God will wake you up in the middle of the night to pray. And in that moment, something is shifting. Because we do not labour for the Lord in vain. You've been labouring for your children. You've been praying for your children. You've been pouring in. You've been sowing seeds. Nothing is happening. But what God says to you today is you are watering the future harvest. And they will come. And they will be in relationship with Him. Can we raise our hands today? Might invite the whole band. You know, we're going to begin to pray for new wine for our children, new wine for our brothers, new wine for our sisters, new wine for our husbands. I believe that there are women in this place. There are mothers in this place. You've been praying for God to get a hold of your husband's life. That's going to happen in the name of Jesus. There are husbands in this place praying the same thing for their wives. That's going to happen in the name of Jesus. There are parents, brothers, sisters praying for that sibling. We call them home in the name of Jesus. They will not be taken away to be slave to sin, but they will be restored to God through Jesus Christ. It took a woman going to God, going to the prophet, saying, what do I do? feeling she had nothing, but God using the last hope in the accept, we claim whatever hope we have left, Father, and we say, do a miracle with it in the name of Jesus. So what I wanna do this morning, as we begin to sing this, if you have a prodigal in your family, if you have a a cousin, if you have a friend, and and you wanna stand in the gap for them, and you wanna come forward right now, representing that they're returning to this house, I wanna invite you to come as we begin to sing. Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, and all that you have given me. Jesus, bring you wine. Come make room, come make room. We're calling him home. Come into the middle if you can. Free. There's heaps of room. Make me it. It make so Breakthrough. 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 Breakthrough.
2: Breakthrough. Jesus,
0: Would every person across this place that are at the back, would you begin to reach out our hands? Do you know what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2? It says that we should carry one another's burdens. Right now, there is a burden in this place for family members, friends, loved ones that are not walking with God. We need to carry that burden with them, amen? So what I wanna do is I wanna invite every person that's come down here, could you move forward? Could you move forward? Come right, come squeeze it up. Every person, let's reach out our hands. Now, what we're going to do is, is I, I, want, I want to engage your faith and I want to engage these guys' faith. The Bible says to carry one another's burden. So I want to encourage you, if you're comfortable to do so, I want you to come and I want you to line up behind them and we're gonna send a wall of faith that we're gonna carry this burden together, that we're gonna see the prodigals come home. So I wanna encourage you now, everyone down the front, would you raise your hand to heaven? Do you know what? I wanna wanna change this song, go back to I Exalt You. We're gonna exalt God above the situations that they're in, the fear that we might carry, whether or not we are worried that, that the enemy is trying to take our children as slaves to sin. But what I believe in this moment is that God is gonna do something. So we're not gonna start to sing yet, but what we're gonna start to do is pray. So everyone down the front that is believing for a child, I want you to begin to pray. Whether it's in a heavenly language, I want you to begin to ask God to do something in them Today, I want you to ask God that He would call them home, that He would wake them up. Come on, let's begin to pray. All those that are carrying the burden behind, begin to pray, begin to intercede, begin to believe. God is here. God is here. Lord God, right now, I thank You. Lord God, I pray for my family members. Lord, I pray for my aunties. I pray for my uncles that do not know You, Lord. Lord, I pray that You would meet them. I pray that You would reveal Yourself to them. I pray that You would call them home. Father, I know that they have experienced Your love. I know that they've experienced You. But Lord, I pray that they would submit to Your call. Father, they would live a lifestyle that is righteous. Father, we call them home, and right now we exalt you over the situations that they're in. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, keep praying, keep praying. Hallelujah! We call them home, we call them home today. As they gather for Mother's Day lunches, let there be a moment. Comfortable to do so, could we join hands? It's going to be random and everywhere, but that's okay. Join hands with the person next to you in your row if there's only two of you, and whoever's there. We're well, in unity, we're going to believe together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, right now. We agree that You are calling our family home back to a relationship with Jesus Christ father whatever has come against them whatever hope has been lost I thank you Lord that in the accept, in the accept, everything can change Lord we choose to believe that when all hope is lost it is not lost when you are involved father that nothing can change these situations except you so right now father we ask you to move we ask you to draw them home father we commit ourselves to continue to pour in we continue our ourselves, Lord, that we will continue to sow seeds. We will continue to believe. Even when we feel dry, we will continue to, Father, because we know you are calling them home. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's finish with every hand raised. Every hand raised in this place. Hallelujah. Give us the words to say. Give us the timing. Lord, give us the awareness of when to say it. Father, we thank you that you love them more. Lord, we leave knowing that you empower us to be witnesses. And Lord God, we thank you that you're gonna use us to minister to our family. There are people here that are saying, it can't be me, I've worn out my moment. They, they, they've become blunt to, to my words. God is saying that it's not true. Continue to speak life. Continue to speak faith. It is not worn out. There is an accept moment coming. There is a time when God is going to use you and they will come home. Do not rely on the faith of others. Believe God will use you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we get a lot of hands? Come on, let's clap in faith. Why don't you head back to your seats. Hallelujah. Just quickly while everybody is heading back to their seats. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you may not be experiencing the freedom that we talk about and the desire for our family to come and be in relationship The relationship that we desire is with Jesus. So what I'm going to do this morning, because I know that there are a lot of Mother's Day lunches to go to, is we're going to close the meeting now. But if you need prayer for any reason this morning, whether it be for health, whether it be something personal, we're going to leave this altar open. But also... If you want to know more about Jesus, we'll be down here. There'll be a few of us. I would love to talk with you. We have a gift and some information that we'd love to give you about starting and keeping a relationship with Jesus. He is good, isn't he? Amen. Let's stand. Let's hug two people around us. And let's have a fantastic Mother's Day. God bless you. i
2: Ladies, do not forget to register for the She Thrives con- uh, conference. Sign up is just in the foyer, see Clarissa Valentine, and she'll be able to sort you out.